if I was to do one thing, if I was a marketer, please, please, please go to your CEO and insist that you present to the board at least once a quarter, which is when the board meets, okay? With a landscape of what actually is going on, because in effect, marketing is the future of all organizations and they don't know it yet. <laughs> and I am surprised that so many CMOs don't make it to the boardroom. Life was simple 30 years ago. A few broadcast networks, about 10 to 20 cable networks, around 50 magazines to evaluate. Throw in some newspaper, radio, and out of home to cover your local markets, and the media planner pretty much had it covered. Now, a strategist has almost an endless amount of options to reach an ever-fragmenting audience. From targeted, customized, and personalized video to voice assistance to AR and VR, this is the media metaverse of which we will explore together. The core question we wanna get in this podcast, with an explosion of options, how do we innovate? How do we bring new ideas to marketers, get those ideas heard and acted upon, and not default to our natural instinct to limit ourselves to the lowest common denominator? And how do we get out of the cycle of allocating budgets to symbiotic or parasitic, depending on your perspective, intermediaries? Hey, I'm Jeff Minsky. And for those of you who don't know me, I've spent a career building in debating and launching emerging media teams at ad agencies. And I've been privileged to bring innovation and digital strategy to some of the top brands in the industry from CPG to travel to retail and entertainment. Now, I'm privileged to move to that next phase of digital of the digital media metaverse and share this information and ideas and consulting and thoughts with you. And I'm privileged to bring in guests uh, like my, what I will call my um, arch nemesis from the old agency days, but actually arch nemesis in the sense of like Wiley, Coyote, and Roadrunner. And trust me, Rashad, you were Roadrunner and I was Wiley Coyote um, with holding the acne bomb the entire time. Um, but I am very, very pleased to welcome Rashad Tabakawala to the first media metaverse. Rashad is the uh, I guess he just, as, as he said to me recently, he is now in career 2.0, but 2.1 was built uh, a really very incredibly illustrious career at Publicis Group. Uh, you are the chairman of the Tabakawala Foundation, which uplifts the lives of thousands in India by supporting charities in health, education, welfare in and around Mumbai. And Rashad, you're also the author of a phenomenal, a, and I, I truly mean this to anyone who's in the business world, read this book, Restoring the Soul of Business, Staying Human in the Age of Data. It's, it's an absolute must read for any business leader. You're a, a prolific writer, and thank you on behalf of Media Village for contributing to Media Village, as well as a substack called The Future Does Not Fit the Containers of the Past. When do you have time for fun? That's my question. I work with great people, good challenges, and I also find ways to remain connected to my career 1.0. So uh, I haven't completely given up career 1.0 since I still serve as an advisor to Publicis. I want to talk to you um, about a lot of things. I want to talk to you about talent in the industry. I want to speak with you about technology and the future of, of advertising and marketing. But I think I'd be remiss if we didn't touch base on some of the things that have been going on over the past couple of weeks, um, in particular as regards Facebook. The question is, 
at what point does a marketer have a responsibility to take action? And at what point does the agency have to recommend to the marketer to take action? And, you know, is there a structure, especially with the various investment tools that have been utilized with agencies over the past few years, are they enabled? Are they, do they have an incentive when there is clearly a moral challenge that's gone on and it's a, so, a social challenge that's gone on to actually do something about it? A majority of the money that Facebook gets is not from the ANA level advertiser. Um, most of its money comes from 8 million small businesses. So whether there was a boycott, which lasted for a couple of months, you know, earlier this year uh, or late last year, uh, or deciding that a particular marketer will not spend money is not necessarily going to change Facebook. Uh, Facebook will change because the employees of Facebook will make them change. Uh, the employees of Facebook are, many of them are my friends, are very good people and they have to just figure it out as to how they move forth. With that being said, a broader context, which is broader than Facebook, broader than Google, broader than Amazon. Uh, and it's something that I have stated for many years is that marketers must have optionality. To be successful in marketing, you need to make sure that you are not highly dependent on any one or two platforms. That's the way I basically grew up in the world of you know, ABC, CBS, NBC, there was Hearst versus Meredith versus Condé Nast. Uh, there was, you know, different um, options. And while the world was less fragmented, and now it appears more fragmented, you could actually make the case it's more consolidated now, and it appears to be fragmented, but the dollar spending is much more consolidated. And therefore, the question really with marketers is how do you make sure that you do not end up in a place where the platform that you put your money in eventually takes over your business? And why do I say that? And you might say, well, the guy is as usual mentally insane. Well, let's look at something like Google. Google's largest advertisers historically have been travel companies. For a long time, it was, you know, booking.com and a lot of travel companies. Um, today, according to the markup, um, if you search for travel on Google uh, on your phone, approximately 40% of what shows up on the first page of either your phone or on your computer or laptop are links to Google properties, regardless of how much you basically bid because Google has vertically integrated into travel. So look at this, the large, and then Barry Diller, who is not a shrinking violet, who is extremely smart, no. <laughs> has basically said, and the heads of East, you know, Expedia and others have basically said, hey, we are at a competitive disadvantage. So here you are, a, an industry that was funded by travel, now turning around and eating travel. When you are trillion and $2 trillion companies, the only way you're gonna to get to the next trillion 
is by eating the band is by biting the hand that feeds you. So what you basically do is it's not that you don't feed them, but you feed lots of different people. So when they try to bite you, no one can take your entire hand. You just put on a bandaid and you move on, right? So for me, it's number one, a strategic optionality. Number two is if companies are talking increasingly rightfully about purpose and values and trust, the big issue really is make sure that you run an organization like that with the way you spend your money. You have to run a piece of business, but allocate your capital across the board. Uh, there isn't any business that's a white hat business. Every Lots of businesses have gray. So manage it in a way that you aren't reliant. So smart companies, smart boards are on a three to five year journey. And it takes approximately three to five years. It got, you know, they didn't get into a hole where they're highly dependent on a particular platform in three days. They're not going to get out in three months. Yeah. Okay. Uh, but there is without a doubt, a massive global undertaking, right? Among companies. And I would say, A, make sure that you've got strategic optionality. B, speak to your legislators to make sure that this is a much more broken, a much more competitive landscape, much more competitive landscape, uh, which, is, which is very important. Make sure that you listen to your talent and then make sure as part of your investment in the future, even if the ROI isn't the very best, reallocate money to other properties so you can basically help grow them. And today, Fortunately, there are more of them than there were before, and hopefully that will happen. If I was to do one thing, if I was a marketer, please, please, please go to your CEO and insist that you present to the board at least once a quarter, which is when the board meets, okay? With a landscape of what actually is going on, because in effect, marketing is the future of all organizations and they don't know it yet. And I am surprised that so many CMOs don't make it to the boardroom. So the question isn't even as much to the board. The question is, how do you convince the CFO? I mean, you just said something that I agree. I mean, the, the power of digital for me for the very, from the very beginning has been aggregated relevant reach. And the ability to have that, that fragmentation was not a, a negative, it was actually a positive. It's just a lot more work. And so, you know, the question is, how do you go to a CFO and say that as an organization, A, we have to start investing in things that are less immediately profitable, and we have to do stuff we do, even though we may not make the bulk of the revenue of Facebook, as an organization, what they did might go against what we stand for, and therefore we should be taking action to be, to be seen as authentic. Because if we're saying we're about this, and yet we're still investing in a organization that, let's just use the, what in the, the research showed about Instagram, that seems to be harmful to teen girls, and we happen to be a makeup product, how do we continue to advertise on that platform? But how do you go back, and this is my question to you, is how do you go back to that CFO? What's that conversation you have with someone no. who really is looking at quarterly earnings? So there are three conversations that you have at the same time. Uh, the first one, which is the broadest conversation, and most CFOs that I've met with are actually very sophisticated and have understood what is going on. And the biggest conversation is this, that these platforms are the future of business and not the future of media. Okay, 
And you want to make sure you pay attention to them as business enabling platforms. They are the future of distribution, reach, data, a whole bunch of other things. So play, that's the first one, which is, hey, I'm not coming here to basically justify why my media CPMs are up. I'm here to basically ensure that this company is safe for the future. That's, that's number one. And most good CFOs have that. In fact, most good CFOs sometimes may think that their CMO doesn't get it. So they've hired other people to help them on those issues. Okay, so that's number one. Well, not in every case, but in quite a few. The second one, which is extremely important, is to basically uh, let, the, let the CFO know that the issue is one of attracting and retaining talent. So when the Black Lives Matter, you know, protests occurred, uh, I would say approximately a third to 40% of the CEOs decided to do whatever it was a month, two month, three month hiatus because their internal talent insisted. They said, if you speak about purpose and values, we insist. This woke up, this really woke up a lot of senior management who for some reason may have not woken up, but they had woken up. But as importantly, today, if you ask senior management in any country in the world, and definitely in the United States, and I wrote about this, you know, three of my last five posts have been about this, which is people are asking, should I stay or should I go? Post-COVID, there is more rethinking. You know, the Microsoft study says 42% when it's normally 20% a year. In our industry, which is the advertising and marketing industry, attrition is approximately 50% higher than base. And in some cases, 100% higher. That is not just in our industry. I'm seeing it happening across all industries. And, and as a result, if you cannot do this, you are going to have a big problem attracting and retaining talent. So again, the CFO understands that high turnover, a high churn costs a lot in everything from you know, having to pay additional things to recruiting fees, to training fees, et cetera. It's the second one. And the third one is this, which is that in many ways, the future that we are trying really hard, I think everyone is trying very hard to convince folks is, I think it's time to measure how good the hot dog tastes versus how cheaply you can buy the pig, okay? I can sell you a cheap pig. It'll be diseased and it will kill you soon. But if that's how you measure, that's what I'll basically do. And so the idea today is we can measure outcomes and it's not just sales and other outcomes or outcomes. So why don't we focus on that versus input? And, 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 and the reality of it is most boards have to also recognize, and this is one of the things that I try to get people to recognize, is that what is happening today is you've got marketplaces where unlike in the past, where you and I would get a RFP from three or four different places. Like I started buying radio, so I would get those little pieces of paper and I'd figure out, you know, cost per reach point and which, how I was gonna allocate my money. But what we basically had were media companies bidding for our dollars for their inventory. We are now in a world where marketers bid against each other to give up as much margin as they possibly could to basically these platforms. And we are bidding for their inventory. They're not bidding for our business. 
okay? Right. Often using their tools and often using their data. Those are the conversations. These are board level. This is what I'm now working with people. This is the future of your business. This is not the future of your media plan. I do have one last question. I do want to ask this. Sure. Um, are we, you and I started off our careers before the internet came about. We were all very excited. We saw all the potential that is in there with digital media and marketing. But given everything that we have seen, whether it's fraud, brand safety, the implications to society, et cetera, are we better off? Are we smarter? Are we more efficient? Are we a better society economically? Um, with digital media and marketing than we were prior? Yes, we are a much better, better off today for the very simple reason as for people who don't want it, right? They can reduce it for people who did not have it, they now have it. So for instance, I believe that, and this is the one place which I, Almost all the platforms, and I won't name one which is not, but almost all the platforms are net positive for the world, okay? So I believe the world is much better because we have Amazon, because we have Google, because we have Baidu, because we have Tencent, right? Uh, I believe the world is much better because we've got the Adobe suite, the Salesforce suite, you know, all, all, all of these other things. Now, are there downsides? Yes, there are downsides. And there are some potential downsides and those have to be offset by different ways. And the way I look at it is this, the biggest issue that we have as an industry, and I've written about this and spoken about this, both as an industry and marketing industry, is just think about it in the following way and it, things will become, I think, somewhat clearer. I'm not, I don't have an answer, but I have a path, uh, or at least maybe it's a delusion, but it's a path. But here's what it is. The platforms that today we all love to both love and hate, have all basically primarily be funded by advertising, right? So they became modern advertising operating systems. And therefore we evaluated everything from a consumer viewpoint. However, what happened is they became society operating systems. And we as a society and government failed to look at it through a citizen viewpoint. We looked at it from a consumer viewpoint versus a citizen viewpoint. And if you look at things from a citizen viewpoint, you look at mergers and acquisitions very differently. You look at 230 very differently. You look at everything very differently if you look at it from a consumer viewpoint. So the, 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 issue, the old consumer Bork University of Chicago way isn't necessarily the right way. But here's the other thing. We now happen to have a system that has already become a society operating system. And that happened actually with mobile and social. It used to be an advertising operating system in the first connected age when it was search and e-commerce. Now, we are about to enter and we have entered the third connected age, which is driven on voice and AI and you know, the theme of your um, this podcast, which is met metaverse, right? So guess what happens? We now have no longer just a society operating system or an advertising operating system. We have a life operating system, okay? Let me tell you, I do not want a few gentlemen, and that's primarily gentlemen, yep. right? Now in their mid to late thirties, primarily Caucasian, telling me how to run my life. Thank you very much. 